Welcome back to the Caring Souls podcast. This is part two of our interview with Tylisha Allen. Tylisha is the author of the children's book, Color Isn't Who I Am. She's a loving mother, a poet, a Navy veteran, former federal correctional officer, former behavioral interventionist for people in the spectrum, a compassionate volunteer for underprivileged communities throughout Southern California, and an advocate for helping individuals to recognize their potential and achieve excellence. So Tylisha, in this episode, shared with us how she overcame her struggles as a behavior interventionist for children with disabilities, and also important things that carers and practitioners should experience to be happy in their work. So everyone, I hope you will enjoy listening to Talisha and learn from her. But before we will continue, please do not forget to follow and share our podcast. Hi, welcome to the Caring Souls podcast. This is the place to be if you are a mother, a teacher, a carer, practitioner, or someone who is helping children with disabilities. Who wants to lessen your stress, who wants to experience or find balance in your life, and you want to find meaning in what you do. So I am Dali Tampos Oxman. I am a special education teacher, a behavior analyst, and a certified wellness coach. You also have a nonprofit organization. Yes. Alicia. Yes. So and you advocate individuals to recognize their full potential and achieve their excellence. So are you like talking for this with adult and children or just adult themselves? And how do you help them? How do you help them get that achievement, their excellence? In, initially, it was um, when I formed the nonprofit in 2012, it was geared towards at-risk youth. And I think that the reason that was my target is because um, I overcame, I like to use the term overcame, uh, sexual childhood abuse. And um, what I think about is the things that I wish that I had, the support that I wish that I had, the information that I wish that I had. And a lot of it I had to get on my own. And a lot of it I didn't get until I was an adult. And so when I thought about helping others, I always think back to the age in which I was seeking that help because that's when I started to recognize a transition in my personality, which is what made me get a master's in psychology was to learn about myself. I was trying to understand how I went from being very social to being an introvert. I don't wanna be around people. I'd rather just be in my house. I don't wanna talk on the phone. I text my grandma still to this day. Like I'm like, the only person I call is my mom and that's because she likes to do the guilt trip on me and she'll be like, you only have one mom. So because she's making me feel bad, I'll be like, okay, mom, here I go. But other than that, I, it's uncomfortable for me. And so I wanted to figure out what, why. And so once I found out that there was a connection between the sexual abuse, um, that helped me to be able to look at things a little bit differently. And it was very important for me to, to be able to give certain information to children. However, in the process, I've found out in sharing my story and being very transparent because my um, my online ministry is 
you know, basically talking about God. But I share a lot of what I'm going through so people understand this is not me saying I'm better than you. This is me saying I'm going through this very thing and I'm trying to help you as I'm learning myself. And in that, I've learned that a lot of people have dealt with sexual childhood abuse or some form of abuse. Um, and so it's really just a matter of honestly, transparency, sharing the transparency, sharing um, resources, sharing information that I've learned that was helpful for me with other people, whatever way that I can be helpful. And if that's me volunteering my time, if that's me doing some research for you, whatever way that that looks to the individual, how I can support them, then that's what I'm doing. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that part of your of your childhood at Vulnerable, because I know there's so many, that's why with, with my students, they are not numbers, like sometimes when they say no, I encourage them allow the children to say no yes. allow them to say no because especially like okay no you cannot say no this is what i want you to do and then forcing the kids to say yes all the time and that is not good because that will lead them to a lot of abuses as well so we have to teach our children to say no our kids for me my students to say say no accept and 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 just deal with, with that and see how we can help them and so understand because I think that's very important. And thank you for, for telling us, sharing that experience, Alicia. And um, and then let's 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 go back. I know since we're like talking about the carers or practitioners of special needs, you were a behavior interventionist. You have a child daycare and behavior inter and behavior interventionist for children in the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Right. So can you tell us your joys and struggle in that job? <laughs> um, the struggles, I think the struggles were the lack of support that you got from either a parent, like when you're working in the schools, there was lack of support in the school system, or there might have been lack of support with the parents. So and what I'm saying is we're implementing a program to help your child find alternative behaviors that are not um, mal behaviors. We're giving them alternate behaviors or we're teaching them a certain skill, but then when we're not around, you're not enforcing that skill. So that means every time I come back, we have to start over. And or if there's a tantrum problem, then that tantrum increases. Um, that's a challenge in the field because like I say, it's, it's counter, is it counterintuitive? Is that the word I'm looking for. It doesn't work. It's not helping me to help you. It's not helping your child to grow. And so um, one student I had in the school, she was, my son, I think was two and a half or three. And I couldn't help him potty train because I was at work all day. And so I'm at the school and I'm potty training this child who's 11 or 12 and the mother kept changing the, the time that she wanted us to take the child to the restroom. But then she also wanted her to, to finish work, but she was a child who would like to flop on the floor for hours. And she wasn't a little child, she was very heavy. And so you couldn't just pick her up. You just had to wait there until she decided that she wanted to get up. And sometimes she would um, wet herself or even do more than that. 
and getting the staff to help because it's not my job to you know clean the child or even go to the restroom with them getting the schools to help was not always the situation and one particular day it was the last day before summer school i see i'm not supposed to go in the restroom but when the teacher is not available, then I might peek in just to make sure the child is okay. So this was one of those situations. I'm waiting outside the restroom and every now and then I'm going to check on the child and I'll go back out. And this one time I go in and the child is um, eating her feces in the bathroom. And I'm traumatized. I'm like, I go run, I go get the teacher. I'm like, hey, she's in there doing this. I need some help. And the teacher screams at me and she's like, well, I can't be in there and be in here at the same time. You go find somebody else to help. And I'm like, what? So now I'm running around the school trying to find somebody to help me. I find someone to help me. But when we got back to the restroom, the restroom was locked because this was a, this was a middle school. And so kids would like to ditch. And what they did was when the bell would ring, they would lock the bathroom. So now she's locked in the bathroom. So now this particular staff member didn't have keys. So now we got to run around the school and find someone who does have keys. And by the time we got back, all of it was gone. And I just start crying. I was like, I cannot do this. This is ridiculous. What are we going to do? And when the child's mother got there, they just, they cleaned her up, but they told the parents that she was playing water. That was what they told her. And I wasn't allowed to speak to the parents. And that hurt my heart. And I told my supervisor, I said, if I cannot get the support that I need, I cannot work with this child anymore because you guys are doing, or not us, because it's up to LAUSD with certain things. If I can get the support and we're going to do things like this, this goes against my moral beliefs. It's unethical, it's unsanitary, and I'm not okay with it. And that was very challenging for me mentally. Um, it was a struggle and I ended up getting a different client, um, not because of that, but um, the, the case had terminated. And so I got a different client and it was very, a very different school. They were quite supportive. Um, the, the, t the teachers and the parents alike were very supportive and that made the job so much easier like the, the, the amount of stress that I would go home with was completely like diminished. And I was able to tend to my child better because I didn't have the level of stress that I had at a school that didn't have the support. You didn't have the support from the parents or the teachers. And so the joy is when you do have that support and the parents do care and the schools care because then it alleviates a lot of the stress on you. Otherwise, it's you trying to figure out all the problems by yourself when your whole thing is more like I'm here to assist. But when you're doing everything yourself, then you're essentially another parent to the child. And uh, like I, I would have to say a parent who doesn't know what they're doing because you have so much on your back at one time. And so having the support is the joy of the job and seeing the progress, being able to see the child progress is absolutely amazing and I think that is the greatest joy of a lot of um, special education teachers like I am and maybe for Candice as a mother like seeing our children progressing it's just but 
it, most of the teachers I ask, what is the greatest joy of teaching special needs? It's the children. Yeah. It is the children's progress. It's, and I think it's everyone. But Talisha, just to, just to add up to us, to that, to your struggle, how do you overcome? You keep using the word overcome, right? So I'm just like, what do you do? How do you handle all those times that you, you're struggling with that? Because maybe our carers who are experiencing the same thing that doesn't feel supported because I know when I asked a lot of teachers or special needs practitioners, and that's, it's like you, the support, they, they want, to feel supported, they want the support. And so how do you overcome or how how do you handle those times that you're struggling with that no support? Um, you do have to be very vocal. I think sometimes, see my position, I wasn't a teacher. I wasn't the person in charge. I'm the behavioral interventionist. So I'm not in charge of anything. I'm just kind of following rules and implementing plans but being able to be vocal about it. And uh, for me, I do like to go up the chain of command. So I'll start with the lower person first. And if that doesn't work, then I'm gonna go to the next person um, and being comfortable and understanding that your mental health is just as important. What I did learn in that job was that um, it's emotionally draining, which is more tiresome than having a manual job. Like if you had to do manual labor, when I was working at the prison, that was also emotional as well. But I also did manual because I'm running up and down the stairs. I'm, you know, shaking down lockers. I'm doing a lot of different things in addition to <laughs> the, the, the chaos that's going on in the prison. But the transition, I was always more tired doing this job because of the level of stress. And when you had the support, I saw that significantly de decrease. But being vocal is important, expressing the need for that support and understanding um, understanding that you do need the support, recognizing that you need the support. Um, for me, I did, I participated in self-care. My self-care was a massage, a monthly massage. Um, that could look like anything for anybody, but making sure you have that self-care every month. And if it needs to be more frequent than once a month, then doing that, um, writing or journaling, prayer for me and church. And like I told you, volunteering, even though volunteering a lot of times for me is like a whole nother job because of the projects that we do. It's such a rewarding thing for me. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm, you know, having fun or you know doing something to help me feel better and so that's that's self-care for me to do volunteering um and i think that it's important uh, some people beg to differ about that but i think it's important to be in physical fellowship like going into a physical building of church or a physical bible study Although, you know, Zoom is okay, it's just not the same. <laughs> it's not the same for me. So having maybe a small group of people where you can actually get together. And even if it's not Bible study, if it's just you and your closest friends getting together, having, I don't know, I don't really drink coffee, but you know, that's what people tend to say. If you're having a cup of coffee, oh, <laughs> I don't know, drinking tea, drinking some juice, I don't know. Um, but having being surrounded by positivity, something that's uplifting. And I've learned um, that 
in changing a lot of the things that I watch. Um, I've stopped watching the crime shows as much as I love them. I stopped watching them because I didn't feel like that was helping to lift up my spirits. So I stopped. Um, and I watch as much positive things or comedies, even though I've limited that as well, but something that's making me laugh or something that's bringing me joy as opposed to looking at this crime, like, gosh, people are just crazy. It wasn't helpful. It wasn't lifting me up. The type of music that I listen to, everything has changed. And I've noticed a change in me as a result of it. I've noticed more patience. I've noticed more um, peace. Um, it's, it may not be a steady piece all the time if I'm allowing other things to interfere with that piece, but I've noticed that it's, it's helped me to maintain more control when I control those things that I'm allowing myself to partake in. That's true. Uh, so you are, and I know they said it's our mind, like yeah. it's in our mind, whatever you feed your mind, yeah. you will become. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think you're doing you're amazing feeding your mind with good things because as what you said, being an in behavior interventionist is not an easy job. Right. <laughs> 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 right, Candice? No, it's not. <laughs> not, not even close. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually curious, Tylesha, how... Um, what would you say with the other client where you were getting support from mom or from school, what would you say contributed to that? That why, why do you think that they weren't supporting you in the way that you need it? It was like blatant non-support. Like they just blatantly weren't supportive. And there was a lot of um, that going on in the school in general. So I guess an example, you I could give is that students were beating up teachers and coming to the school and cussing at the staff members when their child was the offender. Wow. And um, you would think that the, the parent would come and discipline their child or at least have something to say, you know, to help the child understand they're wrong, but instead they were coming into defense with their child. And um, with this particular student, the mom, uh, to my understanding, had a case against the school. And that was the reason why we weren't allowed to speak with the parent or do certain things was because she had a lawsuit going on. And so she was very like, this is what I want done. And I don't care what you guys have to say about it. I don't care how it interferes with anything. It just needs to be done. And it wasn't a lot of room for you to explain anything to her. Whereas the other school, the parents were consistently, one, they were showing you that you were appreciated. Mm -hmm. So, um, hey, you know, we're doing breakfast this week just to let you know we care. Hey, how's it going this morning? You know, it was a lot of what can I do to help? Or even like we're volunteering, we're showing up to the school, we're, you know, talking to you. It was <laughs> way different and even the teachers like hey is everything going on is, is it cool do we need to get somebody else oh I remember actually the same at the school with the support my client told me he didn't like me when I first started out and that was because his other BI was basically allowing him to use the excuse that he was autistic to not do his work 
So that was his excuse for everything. Oh, I'm autistic. I can't do it. Yeah, you can. And we're going to try. And he didn't like that. He just wanted me to give him the answer. So he told me, you know, I can't wait till I get another DI. And guess what? He's going to be white. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. You know, what can I say to that? I don't know even how to respond to that. But I was like, okay, you know, if that would make you feel better, you can let your mom know, or you can let my supervisor know, you know, that that's better. But when the school found out that he said that, um, they had a meeting with him and they had a meeting with the mom and he apologized and the mom apologized and, you know, every, everybody got involved. And I was like, I didn't feel like it was necessary because I felt like he didn't mean, I don't think that he meant it with malice. Right. I yeah. just think that that was what's comfortable for him because, you know, he happened to be white, but I don't think he meant it in a racist way. And I don't, I don't think he meant it in a mean way. It was just, this is something that's new. This is change. I don't like it. And that was his, that was his way of expressing it. But the fact that everyone got involved just to make sure I felt comfortable was reassuring. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. So one of the things that I heard that my ears perked up is that showing appreciation was very, um, I don't want to say that it was, it, it was very helpful for you to continue to do such a challenging job. Would that be an accurate representation of what you said? I think in, when it comes to the school, yes, because with the school, you can get drowned out with everything that's going on. Um, at this particular school, the child was in general ed. They didn't have special ed classes at all in that wow. particular school. Um, oh. And the first school that I was at, it was a special ed classroom, which is okay. the, the dynamic in itself is different to be in special ed versus um, general ed. Um, and so, the, yes, I think, I do think that ha feeling like there's a purpose or a need for me mm -hmm. is reassuring. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. As we hear from Talisha, the importance of taking care of ourselves. We as caregivers, care or teachers or practitioners for children with disabilities so that we can all continue to be happy and be joyful in what we're doing as we serve those children who are under our care. Um, and in connection to that, I am very happy to announce that my book, Finding Your Lost Self, is coming out soon. So this is a 30-day journey to self-love. So in this book, you will uncover different strategies that you can do in order for you to develop a deeper love for yourself. So you can be very comfortable taking care and spending time with yourself. That is very important for us as we go out there and helping children with disabilities and their challenges. And um, the, I stay tuned for more information about this book. And also next episode will be a part three of my interview with Talisha and you will learn so much more from her. And um, so I will see you again next week. And please do not forget to follow us and share this podcast to your friends and family who needs our mess this message so thank you so much god bless you all and always remember to live in the power of love